Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Before we launch into our discussion, a couple of notes about some of our events. I hope you're going to join us on May 8th at the Vancouver Club for an expert panel discussion on finding the best price and buyer for your business. And on May 22nd, we're going to be at the Shangri-La Hotel to discuss the second wave of cannabis legalization and what opportunities await in the new product market. You can find details on these sessions at BIV.com slash events. Now, we enjoy, and I suppose that's a bit of a misuse of the word, enjoy, uh, the highest gas prices in North America. And this is not a new phenomenon, particularly. It happens seasonally, although this year the records are being broken. Gas is somewhere in the 160 mark right now. Uh, It vacillates a couple of points uh, every day, it seems. I thought it would be a good time to get our resources reporter, Nelson Bennett, to the microphone for a discussion. He's working, actually, on a look at this uh, to try to dissect why it uh, why it happens for our next print edition we thought we'd have an opportunity to talk through the situation now nelson good to have you with us thank you well in large uh, broad outline why does this happen every year well there's a first of all there's a seasonal adjustment that refineries go through i i guess there is a uh, like a winter gas and a summer gas, and they have to change the composition of the the gasoline and the diesel. It's just uh, so that there's less volatility at uh, different temperatures, and so they have to change the actual mix. Mm-hmm. That I'm I'm told that that basically adds to the cost for the summer um, uh, gasoline and diesel. Just costs more to, to to do that, and then in the winter time they switch back. Uh, to their winter formula, and so that's a little cheaper, and that's one of the reasons that you so there's see not, this so variation. So it doesn't, it doesn't uh, validate the conspiracy theory that this is about all of us using our cars more for summer holidays and taking our families all over to far-flung places. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there is the increased demand as well. Okay. Uh, right. you know, they do, you know, refiners have to, uh, I guess, store more uh, gasoline in anticipation of an increased demand during the summer because there is an increased demand. So that, yeah, that would be part of it. I mean, there's so many variables that go into it. Um <laughs> okay, let's let's uh, try to pull this apart uh, because I think again the um, perception would be that we because we have the highest gas prices we must have the highest gas taxes. What kind of taxes are applied to a liter of gas? Well, that is true. We do have okay. very high taxes. Uh, I the last calculation was fifty three cents per liter mm. in in uh in Vancouver. Now Vancouver is more expensive than other parts of uh of BC because we have the Translink uh, levy which is about 17 cents mm-hmm. uh per liter. Mm-hmm. Uh and then we have the carbon tax which just went up on April 1st. Bad timing by the way. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh so that added 1 cent and that brings it up to about 9 cents per liter. But that's a provincial the, the, yes. the carbon tax is, is fully provincial. Correct? Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. the TransLink levy that really adds to the price for the lower mainland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so there is a really big difference. And so you, you can see it, of course, if you go down into the lower mainland. Uh, outside of uh, the greater Vancouver area, you can start to see gas prices that are even even wider than the TransLink tax. Do, do you have any sense of why there can be this sometimes like a 25 and, and so cent gap in, uh, in all of this? Uh, no. I mean, I've been trying to get uh, uh, some of the companies that operate retail gas uh, stations to talk to me about that and explain why there is this variation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, within, within a geographic region because, you know, 
it, you do have to wonder why uh, gas might be five cents cheaper just a few blocks down the road. But yeah. they don't want to talk. Yeah. They, they, they're not very good at explaining how they operate. And so they become vulnerable, I think, to, uh, you know, more conspiratorial explanations. Right, about gouging yes. in opportune moments. Uh, I mean, other products that we buy will often have stable pricing for a fairly fairly protracted period. Yeah. And then eventually they creep up on the basis of, you know, a, a kind of a, a pressure on, on their, on their uh, supply or their price or whatever. W- w- have you figured out why gasoline is so volatile, so susceptible to almost, it seems like, hourly changes in the price? It's almost like a stock. Well, I, I guess it's just the the price that the the retailers have to pay to get the gasoline and and, and the diesel, and uh, you know they have to get it from a number of different refineries, and some refineries uh, might have contractual obligations, so they don't have a whole lot to spare, so that might drive up the the price, and uh, you might have uh, refinery maintenance shutdowns. Uh, apparently, right now we've uh, have two. Uh, refineries in Washington, Washington State that are down for for maintenance. That's part of what's driving the current spike. Mm. So I'm told. Yeah. Uh, do, do we have a lot of nearby refineries, or, or are we well, again? No, very we only have the one Parkland refinery, which used to be the Chevron refinery. Parkland Fuels owns the refinery in Burnaby, and there's a small Husky refinery up in I think Prince George. So of the 192,000 barrels per day that we consume in BC, the Parkland refinery only produces about 55,000 uh, barrels. Wow. So, we're, so, so we are very yeah, much And in total, when the, with the two refineries, it's, I think, 67,000 barrels per day. So, uh, yeah, just uh, – I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this one, but, but why don't we have more refineries? Well, around? we used to. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of them closed. Uh, and uh, uh, Do they just – become uneconomical somehow what is it why they close i i'm not sure why they close but uh, one of the things is you know for for years we've been able to rely on alberta because mm-hmm. they have a lot of refining capacity and they're right next door and we've got a pipeline so um i guess also you know our population has grown so uh mm-hmm. maybe 20 30 years ago uh the refining that we had was maybe sufficient for, for most of our needs, but we've grown. And uh, the pipeline capacity hasn't grown, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a lot of those those refined fuels come through the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And I am told that it is full, that it's fully subscribed. So uh, I think that we probably could get more uh, refined fuels from Alberta if we had more capacity. Does, does twinning Trans Mountain at all possibly help us in this or is that just I think there's some debate on that I mean according to Dan McTeague from Gas Buddy who really does know this industry in and out Mm -hmm. he he says that uh, that uh, according to documents filed with the NEB that the twinning would in fact free up uh, capacity on line one that's the existing line because some of the, the the crude oil that now travels on the existing line could possibly shift over to the new line and then uh, according to him, up to 50,000 barrels per day of capacity could be oh. opened up on that uh, that existing line. But there is no guarantee that that will be used for refined fuels. It's it's all up to the shippers. If they want to sell more uh, gasoline here and, and diesel, then they might 
do that, but it's really up to the ship. So there's no guarantee, yeah. uh, I'm told. If they find a better price for the product abroad, we, we're not going to be able to deal with that either, right? Yeah, we're not going to get it either. Um, let me uh, let me ask a bit. It's some other uh, hypothesis on this one. Is that actually we're not paying that much more for gas uh, in a way because our engines and our cars are more efficient. Well, yours is very efficient. I'm told. I, well, I've got an electric vehicle. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But and by the way, I, I'm moving from this era of smugness to a kind of a sanctimonious part now like but you're saying when when i'm driving when i'm driving past the gas station but the truth is that i I still have to pay for electricity here um but no it our 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 engines and our combustion engines are they becoming more efficient so that truly like the 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 price at the pump is not as significant an impact as it might have been? Yes. And in fact, uh, just a, a couple of years ago, uh, Werner Antweiler from Sauter School of Business did uh, a paper uh, with a, another academic from UBC in which they looked at the efficacy of the carbon tax. And they concluded that uh, that in BC that it has, in fact, um, uh, convinced people in BC to, to use less fuel and to switch to uh, more fuel-efficient cars. So yes, fuel, you know, Cars are becoming more fuel efficient, um, so in they, they argue that that the car, the tax has in fact been effective in 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 getting people to change their habits mm-hmm. as consumers and opting for for more uh, greater fuel efficiency. It is because the carbon tax now in this province is not uh, revenue neutral any longer. Right. The NDP has decided that it's not going to be that case. What, what then starts to happen to to prices at the pumps, do you think do do we run the risk that uh, that this just becomes a bit of a milk cow for the province in in how it decides to raise revenue? Well, yeah, I mean, depending on how much they give back in rebates, because they have promised to rebate people. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how much they give back, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some debate on there uh, there on how much neutrality there is there, but I mean, under a, a, a strict uh, revenue neutrality. When the carbon tax goes up, taxes somewhere else should go down. Uh, it's not always well understood or advertised, so maybe that's why they decided. You know what? It's uh, it's there's not much political advantage yeah. in having it revenue neutral uh, because people don't you know really see it or or understand that they're actually their taxes have gone down somewhere. So, um, but I think it would have been a smart move for them to cut those rebate checks on April 1st. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The, uh, the crankiness that ensues and a lot of the media reports, you know, kind of make portray this as you know, big, bad gas companies or big, bad government and all right. of that. But I, I don't see people marching in the streets about this one. No, I, not yet. I, I, I mean, we haven't seen a yellow vest revolution, but that's what, you know, it was gas prices in France that yes. did spark that whole thing. Yeah. Um, maybe British Columbians have accepted uh, the higher prices. It's part of, you know, being a climate change leader, I guess. I mean, we've had the we carbon do, tax for a decade now. We, yeah, we've had a, a carbon tax for, yeah, since 2008, 2008, I think. But we also have, this is something that a lot of people maybe don't, understand as well uh we also have a low carbon fuel standard Hmm. uh like california and so this requires a certain amount of um renewable uh 
fuel to be added to the gasoline. I this see. increases the costs, I'm told, mm-hmm. uh, to refiners. So that's that's part of it. So um, yeah, I mean, we are paying more than a- anybody else. We also have the highest carbon price in in Canada, certainly, maybe in North America. So. And then California, I think, is worth noting. Uh, they are going through the same thing right now as we are. They've they've experienced some really dramatic uh, increases, and that's also re- you know uh, related to refinery shutdowns, refinery outages there. But they also have carbon pricing, and they also have a low carbon fuel standard. So there's a lot of similarities there, I I, I think. Um, and so maybe this is the price we pay to be climate change leaders. There is also, of course, the great phenomenon of British Columbians driving over the border yeah. into Blaine and to Point Roberts and to whatever, you know, going going quite a ways down the line into Bellingham and that kind of thing in order to get cheaper and cheaper fuel. Um, are Americans still, uh, in a way, going to be apart from Canadians for some time to come in terms of gas prices? Do you, do you think that there are any conditions that are going to narrow that gap? No, uh, I, I know. I mean, Washington State—they've twice now uh, rejected a carbon tax refer- in a referendum. So, and their taxes uh, are about half of what they are here in the Lower Mainland. So, even though the Canadian dollar is only seventy-five cents to the American dollar, it's still cheaper to go down and and fill up your 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 car in in just across the border. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a real disadvantage uh for for us in terms of the taxes i mean americans don't like taxes <laughs> no no clearly not um not that canadians love them but we seem to abide them better we don't we don't uh, go into big rebellions um last point and and i guess um this is another thing that i think is in the back pocket of the provincial government is what it's going to eventually do around congestion pricing you know which will be another layer which will feel a little right. bit like a like almost a gas tax on us um, politically, you know, I don't see this coming anytime soon, uh, especially while we've got record prices in all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean that's a good point. R- mobility pricing, um, it's you know, depending on how how high our taxes go. Uh, on on gasoline, it, it, that could be a very hard sell too. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, there may be ways to uh, you know to lessen the burden here in in BC. That you know, Horgan last John Horgan last week did say that they were looking at things like regulatory measures. Although I'm told that that's a very bad idea if you try to uh, you know uh, price fix uh, gasoline mm-hmm. that it can backfire on you. Yeah. But um, I, I think at some point they will have to really take a look at this because it's the kind of thing that really um, at some point people will will start getting you know very frustrated. Well, uh, in a lot of cases, people moved out of the city of Vancouver to other surrounding communities because of housing prices. Right. They probably didn't assume that some of this was going to be claimed back in their daily hike into the city for work right. on the basis of their gas prices. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, might we see, <laughs> might we see this this congestion pricing hit those in Vancouver hardest, but not those in the surrounding communities, because it would almost be like clawing back their 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 gains by mm-hmm. moving that far away. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't really uh, taken a look at the the proposals for mobility pricing for a while yet, so I, I don't know even know how that is going. I to think work, they're st- I think they're wrestling with them. I think they're trying to come up with a formula that's going to be yeah. somehow saleable because it has to be saleable. Otherwise, right. In fact, that is a that can be become a, an election issue awfully quickly. Yeah, and and I guess if they can, you know, use some of this mobility pricing to increase infrastructure for public transit, that you know, that might. Uh, address some of the concerns because I mean the whole notion here is to try to curb the use of fossil fuels uh, through gasoline and uh, you know to basically price it to the point where people make decisions like you have to, to drive an electric vehicle mm-hmm. um, to that extent um, you know maybe this is the whole idea yeah and in the end, I mean, because it, it is definitely uh, uh, these taxes are also designed, in a, as you put it, to somehow change our behavior right. with our with our automobiles. With our, uh, uh, although my goodness, I see so many SUVs and and big trucks on the road right now. I'm, I'm you know startled by how many are still selling. Um, in the end, <clears throat> is it just that? Uh, our behavior is going to have to change with our vehicles. That we're going to have to stop using them for two block missions to the grocery store kind of thing and uh, and just frankly live with that because otherwise we're just going to feel like like the, the, there's no shortage of escalation in the price i don't know convenience is something that people are willing to pay for i mean mm-hmm. um and uh, so i don't know if uh, you know high gas prices are going to stop people from driving a couple of blocks t- to go to the gym yeah <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, maybe they will decide they're going to buy an electric vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Nelson, good to see you. Thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you. Nelson Bennett is our resource reporter here at Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief of BIV. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 